Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodgman, and we have an older, grayer Jack Pelzer in the studio today. Uh, his name's John Hoagland. I don't know if any of you recognize him, uh, but he's been a top step for a few years, uh, and he's got a little bit of experience in trading. For those of you listening and uh, not tuning in here with us on YouTube, John Hoagland's here filling in for Jack. Uh, Jack's out gallivanting around. I don't know where he's at, honestly, but uh, happy to have Hoag here with us. Hoag, how are you? I'm good. It's an honor to be here. I don't usually get on the podcast. It's uh, it's exciting to be here. You should be honored. I'm a special guy to chat with, as you, you may are, know. You are. You, uh, you can see you can see how well read you are by the books on the see uh, the uh, shelves behind you. All right, I'm I'm going to preface this. I am in a uh, office. My parents have. They use it as storage. As my as I wait for my new condo to be closed up and moved into next week. So next Thursday, I'll be in my new condo, um, but I'm utilizing an office space, aka a storage unit of my parents uh, at the moment to, to be recording. Well, I just had to give you a little little jab back after the whole grayer thing. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. We can get you some uh, just for men uh, beard and maybe uh, darken up that uh, facial hair a little bit, get you on my color. Mm, yeah. It, it, except for the fact that, uh, People are going to know. I mean, you know, it's you're, you're going to show up all all nice and brown one day and after being gray the day before. I, I've got the Benjamin Button disease uh, in reverse or, you know, not in reverse. I got the Benjamin Button disease. And I I as I age, I just look younger. I get younger and younger. Right. Right. There you yeah. go. That's how, that's what you can say. Well, John's going to clean living. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. John's going to fill my shoes here today. John's going to give us a quick, quick down and dirty rundown of what happened here in the markets today. Obviously some good opportunity, John, huh? Well, yeah, some in more markets than, than some, uh, crude oil. Uh, we were looking at that rollover range, uh, kind of the top of it at 89.70, and we opened and left that opening range at the bottom and drove higher the better part of the day. I mean, we traded all the way up to 91.03, so pretty good upside opportunity after the EIA uh, announcement of a drop of what seven million barrels last uh, yesterday. So a little bit of supply questions there. The E-mini S&Ps opened right in the middle of the range, right in the middle of value, and stayed pretty much right in the middle of range, right in the middle of value all day. One thing I want to give you a notice of for tomorrow is the market has tried to move higher against some pretty stiff negative delta. Negative delta against direction indicates longer time frame buyers in the marketplace. If we have a big jump in open interest tomorrow, I will be looking for a continuation to the upside. Uh, gold traded down and settled it down below that weekly kickoff low of 1775. That's one below 1776. That's the spirit. Uh, so the uh, euro also settled down below the weekly kickoff level today too. So there's some things setting up for tomorrow that might be interesting, interesting trading. I'm not going to be here. I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going to be involved because sometimes it takes you know, a few days or near the end of the week for some of the good kind of, well, I'd hate to use setups, but some of the, some of the good situations to, to present themselves. And we may see those tomorrow. It's a summer Friday, get out, enjoy some time. Don't, don't do the, I'm going to be bummed. I'm not here. Go enjoy your time off. Yeah. You know, it's always a, a mixed emotions, right? I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing something else. And at the same time, 
um, I do enjoy what I do here. So it's uh, always mixed emotions. I'll be looking forward to Monday. All right. There we go. Well, John and I today are going to sit down and talk a little bit about taking losses, some of the emotional things we go through, some of the things we can do to avoid them, and some of the signs that potentially we're leading into losses. But first, got to reminisce a little bit. For those of you that have been around for more than a couple years at this point, we're going back pre-COVID. That was the last time I think John and I did anything at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, just the two of us. John and I spent many years in the same room, sitting just 10 feet from each other in the same office, um, doing the recaps together every single day. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of fun being back here with you, John. And uh, I heard some sirens earlier this morning and, you know, part of me was wondering, there goes my ride. (laughs) There's his ride. Every single ambulance, fire truck, cop car siren that went off outside our window, you'd, you'd hear it go and you, you could time it. You give it about three seconds and all of a sudden, even if he's on the phone, there's my ride. There's my ride. You hear it coming from the corner where he was sitting. So it was always uh, always a treat. You know, sitting there looking at that screen, it's almost like I could kind of reach out and grab you. <laughs> but that would be, it'd be some long arms. It'd be, uh, yeah, I'm a little far from you here. Uh, over state lines. <laughs> so, well, let's kind of get into it, John. Um, talk about losses. First thing I want to propose at you, my first question for you. You've been at this for well longer than I've been alive. Um, <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> uh, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. You started this before I was born. What year were you born? 1989. Yeah, I've been here longer than, yeah. Boy. I know. I know. I look good. I look good for how old I am. <laughs> well, we'll see what your wife says about that. <laughs> um no, she but all right let's she calls me <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it you it's changed right like you go back to 1941 i think when you started in the industry yeah. versus 2022 things have changed a little bit obviously we're post great depression um but when you started you know losses were a little bit different right you're, you're compared to now you were in a pit things were different versus now. So how have things changed? And like when you first got into the industry, how were losses viewed versus what they're looked at now? Well, there's similarities and differences. Uh, Stepping onto the trading floor with my shiny new badge. You know, I came from traders. My dad knew trading. My brother knew trading. And, uh, you know, stepping onto the trading floor with my shiny new badge, everybody was telling me to learn how to take a loss. And, you know, as a young man, even somebody that was, familiar with the industry it was kind of like well i'm not here to take losses so i don't know why you're telling me this but it doesn't take too long to figure it out one of the things that my dad expounded on that idea of is you're better off getting out when you can and not when you have to so on the trading floor you were in a kind of an adversarial area you had direct competitors standing shoulder to shoulder and chest to back with you but you also had some allies in the pit and if you were doing something that they knew was wrong and and even you knew was wrong to do sometimes you'd have somebody you know grab you and say hey hey you know what are you doing what are you doing and sometimes you'd need that to kind of take you out of the the uh, mental state that you're in, the anger, the the you know taking losses. You, you, you we tend to 
you know, take them personally and we get mad and we get, and we can kind of turn into sabotage animals, you know, and you had friends around or hopefully you had friends around on the trading pit to snap you out of it. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Okay, you know what? You're right. I got to get out of this and we'll figure it out. Um, now <laughs> we're all sitting alone and, um, you know, in an office or home or wherever we are. And we don't have that direct contact. So you were stuck in our own, in our own heads. And sometimes it gets, becomes very, very difficult to recognize when your switch has, your switch is flipped and to be able to walk away and because you don't have somebody standing there next to you going, Hey, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You know, there's lots of ways to take losses. And uh, usually the first out is the best one. You know, John, it's interesting as I think through it, when I first got into the standing on the floor, your job was to create liquidity as a local trader, especially on the option side. You know, you had to tell them what the market was. Mm -hmm. And even if you didn't want the trade, you still had to fill some orders. Like if you saw that broker was struggling to get the thousand or 2000 that they needed, you'd say, mm -hmm. okay, I'll take 50. And then you had to find a way to work with that. Um, and that's where I think, you know, back then you had to take the orders because like you said, you had to create allies. And if you could help the broker get his fills as a local, there was a benefit for you. You know, he's going to remember me now. If it, the broker's coming in and he's stuck and regularly you're not filling that side of it, they're going to overlook your hand when you're when you're trying mm -hmm. to get the fill too. If you tie with someone and he's coming in with 500 and both of you on 500 and it's a tie, we're all going to have the bias and go, this guy has filled every order for me, especially when I'm down to my, you know, mm -hmm. scraping the barrel and I need those fills. This mm -hmm. guy just ignores me. They're going to remember that. And so times have changed now. No one knows who's on the other side of that order. So you can, right. you can snipe, you can pick and choose. You don't have to create liquidity. And I think when you are sitting at home, you don't have those allies there or the people nudging you or seeing what's going on. You end up creating more liquidity because the market's moving and you want to get in. You want to be a participant of it. And so that's like the first step I would say into all of this is like times have changed. Take advantage of some of these areas of like you don't have to be in an every move. Uh, you can sit back and no one knows who you are. Well, you were you were really talking about, uh, you know, something that that was on the trading floor was kind of um, standard practice, but wasn't necessarily all the way on the up and up. You know, if you were, you know, taking um you know trades of, off of brokers that maybe they were stuck on something like that you know the next time they had a, a good order they would they would look to you and then there was always the ginzi where you know they got 50 to sell and you bid 60 for 10 of them and he gives you 10 and you bid half and you're going to get the other 40 nobody else is going to get them so you, you buy a little bit of the beginning of the package and then you buy the package at a much better price. Well, on the screens, John, we call it feed it one to get the market to come into right, your favor. Right. So they're just well, feeding it to bring that market in their favor. And I still do that if I'm long a, a, a couple and, and, you know, I'm the market's trying to go, I'll just sell one out just to feed the rally, just to make the market think I'm short and then it'll go, right? It works every time. It seems it to works. do it. It seems to. Uh, I find myself like scrolling on the dome, like it's a cell phone, like, I'll go like this. Come on, come on. Come on. And it works, <laughs> yeah, you, works every time. You got to get out and push. Exactly. 
it works. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Obviously, on the floor, it was, you know, all within legal rights and brokers had the, you know, had the responsibility to hit the guy that came first, then the second guy, then the third guy and do their best. Mm -hmm. And there were ties and there's always and there's arguments and you can contest the trades. I mean, they have, um, you know, uh, replay judge. I've drawn a blank. John, what is what was their title? The guys that stood on the top. Um, uh, that well, you could contest. Yeah, and... you had you had compliance and audits sitting up on the up in the rafters right. or standing on the top of the edge of the pit, going, uh, uh-uh. you know, right. this guy raised his hand well before everyone right. else. Or if you traded through somebody, you know, somebody was bidding for bidding seventies and you sold sixties, the guy'd say, "Hey, I'm bid seventy, so you'd have to make him good on his seventies, mm-hmm. and, and then you could trade the sixties. You know, there was a the pit was seemed very chaotic, but it was actually very organized. You know, you couldn't bid or offer outside the, the best bidder offer that would confuse the pit. You could get fined for that. Um, you know, if you had orders that were just off the market, you could not, you know, if the, if it was 70 offer in the pit and you had sell, you had orders to sell eighties, you can't offer those eighties while it's 70 offer. Same as on the bid, you know, if it's half bid, you can't bid forties when people are bidding half, it just confuses the, confuses the pit there there were really busy times when sometimes you would trade through somebody and then he would let the exchange know the exchange would they'd blow a big whistle in the s p pit and they would take your trade out mm-hmm. so if you fill the stop on that you were screwed <laughs> well john we've kind of digressed i think our topic here is let's talk losses and not uh, history <laughs> lesson of the floor which sure. i find myself going off on tangents very easily especially when it's something fun and exciting like this mm-hmm. but to bring it back in i know you wanted you had some stuff that you specifically wanted to kind of touch on about losses mm-hmm. so let's kind of dive into that and where your where your thought process is well in trading, there are going to be losses. There's absolutely nothing we can think of. There's there absolutely no way we can stop that. There is nothing perfect, nothing finite, and nothing ever happens the same way twice. So we end up with this situation where we're going to have wins, and those are going to be great. We're going to have losses, and those aren't going to be great. But we don't have to attach our self-worth to the losses. We don't have to uh, expand those losses. Um there were, there were a number of people that I've met along the road here that have said really smart things to me. And there was, there was one guy that I was standing next to in the pit and he would take a loss and he would verbally say, okay, good. So I'd say after, you know, a little while, I finally, I said, you know, I noticed when you take a loss, when you get out of a losing trade, you say, okay, good. Uh, why, why, you know, everybody else gets mad. You say, okay, good. He said, well, it's just the way I view it. I'm not viewing it as, as taking a loss as something that's happening to me. It's something that I'm paying for. I'm paying for a little bit of information from the marketplace. So I'm going to pay as little as I can. And if I take that loss, I'm going to say, okay, I got out of it. That's good. I learned a little bit from the market, bought a little bit of information from the marketplace, and now I can move on. Uh when it comes to to me trading, I'm okay taking a loss and I'm okay you know taking an occasional loss. Where it really affects me is when I get into consecutive losses when, when in a trading day, you know if I take three consecutive losses, that tends to 
flip my switch, right? I get to, I'll get triggered. I'll get angry. I'll start to feel a little bit of venom for the market, which is really for me. Anytime you feel anger or venom towards the marketplace, there's only one person it's going to affect, and that's going to be you, or in this case, me. So I've learned to respect the fact that I'm probably a little bit uh, compromised in my decision-making process at that time. And I will step away. I will do something else for a while. Believe me, I got plenty of things to do that can kind of take me away from the market. Getting something else done really to, helps to um, helps to make me feel better about the, the losses that I just took and, and to reconcile them and, and to let that venom go, you know, whenever we have that, that those losses that make us angry, um, that anger is really for us. Another thing that my dad always said is, you know, being angry, it doesn't help anything. Even if you're like angry at a group of people, half the people you're angry at don't know you're angry at them. And the other half don't give a shit or pardon my French there, but <laughs> we can say that one on the podcast. <laughs> we can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. The other, the others don't, the other ones don't care. There's only one person that's going to affect and that's you. So, you know, when it comes to anger and, um, and um, dealing with it, it, it seems to me, especially when dealing with anger around the markets or with oneself, that forgiveness is the most important thing that you can do because you know, if you can be angry at somebody and that can affect you without them even knowing it. So by forgiving, you can let go of that anger and move on. You don't have to forget about it, of course, but you don't have to let it affect your day or your life moving forward. So, um, you know, the, the emotion uh, and the anger around taking losses is, uh, you know, it, it's, something that we all have to deal with and nobody's perfect at it i'm not perfect at it you know there are times when i will take that next step when i'm feeling angry and you know that's usually going to be a trade that's going to be out of process and out of strategy and 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 i hope it doesn't play out my way because that just re reinforces bad behavior um but you know the 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 best out is usually your first out just like the guy standing next to me saying, okay, good. You know, he got out at his, at his, at his best out. And then he took that information, acted like he paid for it. So there's no anger there and moved on. Uh, John, there's a million ways to look at this. Yeah, go ahead. You said something though, that I want to point out. You, you made the comment about not forgetting the losses. You got to move on, but you can't forget them. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like John said, you're paying for information. Don't make, don't pay the same price twice. I've always looked at losses in a pretty, I, I have an ego. I, I have no, no problem denying it. I've got an ego. I come into trading to make money, to be good at it. Um, everything I've done in my life, you know, it's don't quit college athlete, Marine. Like that's my mentality. Like I would say I'm truthfully not bred to be a good trader. And I've had to find ways to spin it in my favor because traders, they want to win, but they want to make money. And I like to be right. Um, and there's a balance here, right? And I've said mm. this on a multiple places over the over the years. Trading is not about being right. It's about being profitable. And if you can kind of check that ego or in some ways lean into that ego and focus the ego on the profits not being correct, and not being right. Because these losses, I think so many people <clears throat> when they're in a trade, 
and it starts to go against. And then the first thing is I'm going to move my stop a little bit. I'm going to give it a little room. That's mm-hmm. step number one of focusing, caring more about being right than profitable. And then all of a sudden you've kind of taken that stop away. You're like, I'm going to do a manual stop. You know what? I'm going to leverage in here. I'm actually going to buy another. I'm going to bring my average price down. That way, when it does bounce and I'm right, aka at this point, you have now said you're wrong and you're trying to manipulate things to go into mm-hmm. your favor. And don't get me wrong. I have done it. I have leveraged in when I shouldn't this have. This is when that friend of yours in the pit would say, hey, what are you doing? Yep. You, you got to kind of check yourself. And now there's two different things. And I want to be clear here. You can leverage in into a losing trade because you have areas to say, hey, my strategy says I can buy in here. Okay. I really like, I really want to be in this trade. I don't want to miss the trade but I'm going to use a quarter unit or I'm going to use an eighth of a unit or I'm going to use a half a unit. And as it comes down, okay, sweet. I'm actually getting better fill now. I like it. I'm in my trade. I've got room down 10 more points or whatever you're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. You can kind of continue to work in, but it's when you've gone past that point of sound reason and logic, and you're just trying to get in to lower the average price. Those are two different things. So as you do this- You're falling into hopium. Right. You're falling into this trap. We've all been in it. I don't think there's a trader that hasn't. And if you haven't, you haven't been around long enough or you're still brand new at this. Like everyone's done it. It's acceptable. Learn your lesson once, pay that lesson once and don't do it again. Right. Um, but really it comes down to the focus is it's all about being profitable in this. And at the end of the day, your statements and PL are what are going to speak. It has nothing to do with your bias of if you thought long or short. It has to do with how much money you're going to make or lose. And the guy who loses money, he's going to struggle. And the guy who makes money is going to accept, hey, I got the market in my favor. Um, I accepted that I was wrong. I got out of that trade quickly. I was able to find another opportunity to get with the movement and accept that direction that I didn't believe in at the beginning. That's why a lot of times everyone says have multiple. Have, what, what do I do if the market goes up? What do I do if the market goes down? And what do I, if I do if the market goes sideways? So it's really having those things, focusing on being profitable. And at the end of the day, profitable is a heck of a lot more successful than being right. Um, because more often than not, we're going to be wrong and we got to find mm-hmm. ways to manage it when we're wrong so that we can be profitable because that's what matters. And let that be where your ego sticks in, not about being right. You know, you don't have to, you can have, you can come into a day and have 99% confidence that markets are going higher, right? Let's talk crude oil. You can come in and say, I think crude oil is going to rip it to $93 or $98 tomorrow. And let's say they break down to 78, which would be phenomenal. I'd really enjoy that. Yes. Um, Let's say they break to 78, but you're telling everyone you think it's going to 98. You're getting 99% certainty. Once that market starts to trade and all of a sudden you're taking a couple losses. Hey, I don't like this. You know what? 98 is not happening. 78 might be more realistic. I accept the short side. You end the day profitable. Most people that you told that, hey, I'm confident it's going to 98 are thinking, man, this guy got creamed today. But because you accepted loss and you accepted being wrong, mm-hmm. you're able to get in on the right side of the trade and you're walking away with a profitable day. Yeah, sometimes the market is telling you and you just have to be aware and open enough to accept the in- the information that may be contrary to what you think is kind of what you're saying there. And you know, the other point you were making is there's a big difference between uh, leveraging into a loss and uh, and uh, accumulating an inventory in a zone. Yes. 
you're leveraging into a loss when you're just trying to bring that average price down. So maybe the market can come back and you can get out of this thing. Always a bad idea. But look, you know, getting in a zone is perfectly a perfectly viable part of any good strategy, right? And the other thing you mentioned was no, I you know, you said you weren't you're not hardwired really to to worry about being being right or wrong. It's more about the money, but I don't think anybody's necessarily hardwired to be successful at this you know the the loss you put that first loss on and you don't want to take it so you move your stop you default to well maybe i'll wait the market should come back and make me whole again and we end up just creating bigger losses because of that that's why we said you know that the the first stop is the best stop the other the other side of that coin is when you start making money after a couple of losses you may have just had two losers of five hundred dollars each, but that fifty dollar winner is going to feel real good, right? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny, John. You mentioned this, and I'm thinking about like my own personal like evolution in trading. When I first got into trading, I hated this idea of stops, just like probably everyone. I'm like, well, I keep getting stopped on, and I got mm -hmm. better with stops once I actually like accepted stops. Mm -hmm. I, I have a catastrophic stop that automatically goes in with any trade I put on, but I have a man, I run manual stops. Like I, mm -hmm. I know where my out is and I, I recognize momentum and I, I recognize order flow as the market approaches to say, okay, I have a couple more ticks or, Hey, I can save five ticks and get out of this. I have found once I got really comfortable with tighter, tighter stops, when I shifted to back to the manual stop process, my stops got even tighter. Cause I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. Just get out. Look for the next one. And like, I really, I, it's reined me in even more, but it took me a very long time to get comfortable ex getting stopped out. Mm, well, I and mean, times have changed. I've there's, matured. There's, there's always like a point of invalidation. There's always a, a, a level, a price level that prices get advertised to, to prove a print, to prove the trade wrong in your eyes. Right. And Jim Dalton, you know, says, yeah, you should always have a stop, but you should never get out at your stop. You should recognize that the trade's going to be wrong before it gets there. Whether you agree with that or not, it sounds a little bit like what you're talking about. You know, you have your stop level, but if things aren't working out, you're going to be out of it before you get to that level. Screen time. It's the most important thing in trading. The more time you spend, the, like, the more in tune you get with the market. And we've talked about this, I believe, on a coach's playbook. And I think I've mentioned it on the podcast with Jack a couple of weeks ago, but we did an internal trading competition. And it was a trader at Topstep with a couple other uh, co-workers that were not traders. We were trying to teach them a little bit. And I, that was one of the things I was like kind of teaching as we were going. You know, I would say like, guys, I don't like this position. And they're like, well, but you said the level here. I go, well, now momentum's changed. I'm watching order flow come in. It's telling me it's just going to scream down to where our, where our out is. And they're like, well, why don't we stay to the stop? And then it screams to our out and continues low. And they're like, how'd you know? I go, well, I've spent, God, I don't even want to know how many hours staring mm. at these markets and recognizing mm. my little heartbeat as my dad always told me. Every market's got a heartbeat. You just got to learn the rhythm of it. And as I've learned that heartbeat and rhythm, it, it, it's amazing. Like it truly is true what you're saying. You should know that the trade is not going to work well before it gets to your stop. And obviously there are times where you get into the trade and it just rips down to your stop. You didn't even see it coming, mm -hmm. but uh, the longer trades, you start to know ahead of time. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we may be wrong in getting out early of the trade out once in a while, but doesn't mean we can't get back in it. Cause I know a lot of folks, 
you know, and I know I don't get any smarter once the trade is on, but sometimes no. you got to be able to recognize when something changes and you're going to get out. You become emotionally attached to a trade when it goes against you. Mm-hmm. So keep mm-hmm. those stops in place. And yeah. if, you know, don't hesitate to get out of the trade early, like accepting loss, what it's going to really do to come for a full circle here, accepting that loss is going to allow you to continue to trade in your future. If you don't accept that loss and you let it go against you, well, the most important may be tough. About, the most important thing about always trading for tomorrow is to limit those losses. Exactly. Well, John, I appreciate you hopping in here with me today. Uh, this was a fun change of pace. Um, it's been nice uh, chatting with you. It's like a recap pre-2020. Um, so this <laughs> has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for inviting me. And uh, anytime, I'm always uh, always looking forward to hanging out with Dan and talking traders with traders. Awesome. Thanks, John. For everybody out there, uh, don't forget to tune into YouTube. John's live multiple times a day. We've got forecast, recap, make hoag money, weekly group coachings. Um, don't forget to like and share this video. Uh, give us a rating on whatever podcast subscription you're listening to, um, only if it's a five-star. If it's less than that, I guess you can. Just give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. But uh, until next week, as Jack would normally say, namaste. And trade well. Dan got cut off there at the end, but I am back from uh, what he described as gallivanting. Anyway, I'll be here next week. Thanks for listening to Limit Up. It's a production of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com. Rate and review, like Dan said. And have a nice weekend. We'll see you later.